Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes Austin of Smashy Claw, an experimental rock duo from Longmont, Colorado, consisting of guitarist Austin and keyboardist Nathan Long. A veritable engine for new ideas, Smashy Claw is currently engaged in a year-long project to release a new song every week, each accompanied by a brand new YouTube video. Presented for general entertainment and to spur public interest in the group, these songs are currently compiled into Smashy Claw's newest record, Claw Machine. With Matt, Austin discusses the band's name and its inception, his early influences and what spurred him to start writing, as well as the band's writing process. Also touching upon the band's primary sources of inspiration, Austin discusses plans for the future of Smashy Claw and their involvement with the Funny Music Project, aka The Fump, of which former Autographs guest Insane Ian is also a member. Filled with macabre imagery, surrealist overtones, and brought to life by its talented animators, Smashy Claw's YouTube channel won't disappoint. So go ahead, check it out, and support the project. With that, here's presenting Matt Storm and Austin of Smashy Claw. And welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. My guest today is the one and only Austin of Smashy Claw. Welcome, Austin. Hello, yes, I am Austin. Um, <laughs> that was that felt very like I'm not really Austin, but I'm pretending to be Austin. Well, like you were... yeah. Well, uh, I mean, there. I guess I'm the only Austin of Smashy Claw, uh, but there are presumably millions of people just like me in the world named Austin, who are similar that's, to me. That's true. I mean, similar in the sense that they at least have the same name as you. Right. So. Right. Um, so thank you for joining me. Um, for the listeners, uh, we've had some difficulty making this interview happen, mostly on my end. I had just been busy and then sick, and so Austin's been very patient, so I'm happy to have you on the show. I love Smashy Claw and the work that you do with Nathan. And, um, ah, thank you. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, so the the band Smashy Claw, um, two-piece act that does mostly comedy and comedy like music. Um, I'm reminded of like they might be giants and Jonathan Colton um, are, would you say that they're heavy influences for what you guys do? Yes, absolutely. I, we get compared to TMBG all the time. We, we named our band after a lyric in a Colton song. And just like both of those guys, we're not, you, you say comedy and we get uh, labeled comedy, which is, is cool. I love comedy music, but it's, doesn't quite describe what we do. We kind of have a mixture of, you know, sardonic, uh, melancholy songs also mixed in with those satirical, funny things also. So it's kind of a schizophrenic band. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there, there are some Jonathan Colton songs that I remember hearing that are truly like not comedy, like they're about a thing or have a shtick, but they're pretty sincere and sometimes even sad, like I'm your moon or, um, um, what is it? Um, the song about the giant squid. I'm blanking on the name. I, oh, I, I crush after Which is a truly kind of sad song. The way it's presented, it's funny once you understand the, like the lyrics, but the the framework is like this hopeless romantic kind of sad song. Right. So. Yeah. The, well, I think the important uh, through line for all three of us as uh, creative uh, outputters is that you try to think of a character 
that you're trying to uh, the song the lyrics in the song are conveying the mindset of a character and sometimes characters can be uh over the top and thus become funny or they can be really sad as uh you know a lot of a lot of people actually are and uh it's, it's just uh, from the point of view of a character i think is what all those connect together somehow with yeah that's for sure i mean you know and I think also it, you have to be careful when labeling a band a comedy act because sometimes that's not 100% accurate. Right. So, you know. Right. Um, I mentioned it's not like 100% accurate for us, but it's like not a label that I uh, really shun. Like, uh, right. They might be giants hate being called comedy music. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm cool with it. I started that. That's kind of my roots in, in music in general is writing specific comedy songs. And then I kind of branched out into serious songs. I went the path less taken. <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit. So um, how long have you been writing music or perform, performing, playing, writing music? I think I started writing lyrics in a notebook or in the early 2000s uh, when I was just a lad, only a lad, as Boingo Boingo would say. And I, yeah, I just wrote lyrics in a notebook. I didn't really start actually writing melodies till uh, quite a bit later on. And I'd uh, I'd like have a melody in my mind for those lyrics, but it it wasn't like a real it was like a sketch of an idea. There was nothing recorded. And then later on, I would record demos. And then even later on than that, I'd go into a studio. And then I went to school uh, in Denver for recording music. And now I do it all on my own. And I feel like I've I've grown quite a bit as an artiste. <laughs> and um, how long has Smashy Claw been a band? When did you guys get together? We uh, started in April of 2011, so it's been five years now. Wow. Wow. Five years and barely gone anywhere. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that's how most bands go. Well, I mean, where you go is up to you, I suppose, a bit, at least as far as, you know, what you do. Um, and you guys have a nice chunk of music out there in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. When did you guys? So when did you guys first start uh, working as? You said you've been around for about five years. How did you guys meet? Well, we went to high school together, and we we had like one class, and we had a, a the same kind of social circle. But I don't think we ever really had a conversation together, which is odd because I, I uh, we both were <laughs> big fans of Weird Al. I, I recall, like uh, I remember <laughs> Nathan. We were talking about palindromes in our English class, and Nathan like recited a verse of Bob off the Poodle Hat album, which is nice. a, a song made entirely of palindromes. And so I thought I should be friends with this guy, and then nothing came of that. And then it was a couple of years later, we were at a mutual friend's house, and Nathan started playing a song that he had written, because uh, he had just started writing songs at that point, around 2010. And he played that, and I was like, oh, this is a, a guy that he's pretty seems pretty good at writing songs i i should i should connect with him and then i then later on i was like he's the he's the bob guy <laughs> so so we, so we met up and we just jammed a little bit and then i, I at some point i guess i i must have said do you want to be in this this project that i, I essentially have been doing for 10 years and then we kind of uh sparted off into into smashy cloth very cool um so I, I was browsing your website, checking out the music that you have, your albums and stuff, and I noticed that you guys do this project 
essentially it's a podcast in a sense that you guys is it weekly release a brand new song that's right yes it's called and uh, so yeah it's called claw machine every tuesday machine. we put out a new video on our youtube channel and then also there is a actual podcast where i play the song and then talk about the song so it's kind of a commentary podcast about the video and song of the week and then the video itself is not technically a podcast but it comes out on youtube very cool. I see that this week's song, if I'm not mistaken, is the Tom Holland song. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Which is very timely as Civil War, as of when we are recording, is coming out, is out, actually. As yeah. We are came out today. Today. And so I have not seen it yet. I'm going to see it tomorrow morning with my wife, and I am super excited. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping that – so I have a Captain America T-shirt, which, of course, I'm going to wear because I'm team <laughs> Captain America. Uh-huh. Always will be. But um, I also have a Captain America shield, like a life-size – not weighted, but, but a life-size plastic Captain America shield that I want to bring to the movie. Uh, nice. I don't know that she knows that bit yet, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> your, your wife but, is unaware of some giant shield that you have? Well, no, she knows about the shield. Okay. I don't know that she knows about my desire to bring it to oh, the movie. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so, if Nathan was here, he would be he would be vehemently debating with you over Iron Man and Captain America, for he is an okay. Iron Man uh, disciple. Ah, so yeah, for me, it's mostly that I like Captain America better as a character, but uh-huh. also um, based on the comic book, which I don't know if you've read. But in the comic book, Captain America is sort of in the right. I mean, I don't know. It, it gets convoluted pretty quick anyway. Oh, you're talking I'm about sure the Civil War well. comic book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have read so. that. I, I thought you were talking about like the entire body of Captain America's work. Which oh, no, I, no, no. I have not. No, neither have I. There's too much. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so so anyway, back to music, because I could go on a tangent about movies for forever. Well, and maybe I, we'll do that in a bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk about my, my fascination with, with, with the Batman later on with the with the batman that's true um uh, i remember you mentioning on the internet that you are a fan of the batman but so the tom holland song uh, yeah. um it's about tom holland who is the new spider-man um what made you guys want to write a song about tom holland well uh for lack of a better explanation we got to release a video every tuesday for 52 weeks <laughs> <laughs> so you you start scraping the the sides and corners of your mind for ideas that will fit any, any any sort of creative thing that can be put into a video format that is a song. And it's the first parody of the year. Like uh, earlier in the year, we did a mashup of 500 Miles by The Proclaimers and 1,000 Miles by uh, Vanessa Carlton, and we called it 500,000 Miles. And uh, That's amazing. That was a mashup we did. So that was the first cover song we did. And this is the, the next cover song. We're going to try to do as little cover songs as possible, but like, like I said, when you're you got so much you're trying to put out. You got to kind of have some, I don't want to say filler weeks, but you know, filler weeks. Well, you want to throw stuff up just to keep doing it. So you don't break the, the, the mold that you're trying to perpetuate. Yeah. Um, and this, but, this is like a parody of the sixties Spider-Man theme song, you know, oh, nice. going back to those weird Al roots, big fan yeah. of weird Al. Yep. Well, it's funny talking about your uh, the other influence you're talking about and a slight tangent related to covers is have you heard um, They Might Be Giants cover of Bills, Bills, Bills? Yes. Yes. They uh, uh, so they they uh, put out three albums last year, actually. They they yeah. too did a video a week, which we yeah. may or may not have stolen the entire concept <laughs> for. And they uh, they put out three albums. And the the last album just came out. It's called Phone Power, and Bills, Bills, Bills is inexplicably on there, and it baffles me why they would put that song on an actual album. 
Yeah, well, the best part about that is for me is um, they played it live when I saw them. Oh, yeah. It was earlier this year, and it's like the crowd went bonkers. <laughs> it was so funny to watch happen. Yeah, they, well, I mean, it's, it seems like in interviews they've said that it took a long time to learn, so they're probably going to play it forever. Yeah. <laughs> I can... Because they want to, you know, kind of show off this thing they learned because they don't want to have learned it for nothing or for one recording. Or maybe it's just that they had to learn that song. That That is, right. that is a an egregiously terrible song. So I, I can understand them, like, sitting through miserably learning, having to learn all the dreadful lyrics and to perform it every night. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that learning a song that terrible would make you kind of want to keep playing it just to kind of prove that you can. Um, going back, though, a bit to the the songwriting specifically um, and how songwriting works for you guys, um, you know, I, I'm getting the sense that you're a big lyricist since you've been writing lyrics for so long. How does the dynamic work when you guys are writing? And also, do you guys kind of come up with the music first or the lyrics first? It's uh, oddly since I started with the lyrics in a lyric book without much thought to the music, I actually find it hard nowadays to start with a lyric. I usually have to start with a melody. And as far as the, the band goes, we don't ever write together and like we don't do the, the actual uh, IP of the, the song, the intellectual property of the song is never like together, rarely is together. And most of the time I'm writing... I'm writing the songs. I write the vast majority of them, and sometimes Nathan will come in with an idea, and even then I'll kind of finish his idea for him. There's this uh, thing called February Album Writing Month uh, at FOM.org, and every year in February you're asked to make uh, 14 songs in the 28-day month of February, and I have been doing that every year since 2011, longer than the band has been around. I've been doing FOM. So we have songs and songs for days. We're working on, like, six albums right now, which is why we can do a song a week for a year. So, so are the songs a week eventually going to be part of albums too, or are, they, or are the six albums also separate? Uh, that would be insane. I know. I don't think we're mighty enough to have pulled something <laughs> like that off. The, the Every song that has been released thus far is a part of the same album. So we're going in album cycles, uh, except the, the Tom Holland song is not going to be on the album. That's like a stray weird thing. <laughs> uh, but the, the, uh, the songs, the original songs that have been released so far are a part of the, the, our second album. Uh, Insane is repeating is what it's going to be called. Uh, yeah, that's clever, right? Uh, Insane is repeating. <laughs> album. So that's, that's uh, what the songs thus far are going to be. And then coming up in probably a couple of weeks, we're going to start the cycle for the album after that uh, for this nautical themed album that we're doing kind of, influenced by the mollusk by ween they did that's their big uh nautical record so we're, we're doing a nautical record too and we're, we're going to make it our summer album this year oh very cool that's awesome um so i guess my next question would be when it comes to influences out obviously we talked about the big ones that influence your style and kind of band as a whole personality but are do you have musical influences outside of you know, they might be giants and and Jonathan Colton, like, say, in rock and roll or, or pop music anywhere. I uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I learned the guitar by learn by listening to Green Day. I was like a fanatic when I was a teenager. <laughs> no, uh, if there's like uh, 
some kids out there who are thinking about starting a band or learning music, don't learn the guitar by listening to Billy Joe Armstrong play the guitar, because you will only think that a guitar has two notes in the chord. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They are not known for their complex gar- guitar riffs or guitar writing either. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're in general they're not the most complex guys. Uh, I remember uh, back when Rock Band uh, released their Green Day version. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Billy Joe did an interview where he was like, "It's harder to play these songs on Rock Band than it is when we do them live." <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> um. So so the the beginnings of learning guitar was through that, but are there any other bands that you'd say that are your favorites outside of that, less kind of like more like within the vein of pop music or, or rock and roll? Well, I've uh, I try to listen to a lot of music. I don't uh-huh. I don't always succeed with uh, listening to as much of a variety as I, I'd like to. But I I because the other than having a, a character in every song, I also want every song to have kind of its own musical universe which uh, requires having kind of a knowledge of a lot of types of music to be able to pull that off. So I, I try to listen to a, a different styles. Like for, for the first song of the year was called White Coats, and it starts with this gypsy uh, instrumental section that uh, we took a lot of influence from this uh, band, Deconda Deconda, or that might, that might be either the song name or the band name, but it's this, this this gypsy band that we listen to over and over again to to get that. So I I try to listen to that kind of uh, complex uh, varying genres type thing. And as far you, you mentioned pop and rock, uh, I, I haven't mentioned pop and rock. Totally sidestepping the question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't really listen to radio so much. Uh, mm-hmm. I uh, when I go to the gym, I have I am forced to listen to the dreck that is modern pop music, and. Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess people don't people look down on modern pop music as far as like, uh, you know, they don't think of it as a, pre, a prestige type of music. It's just meant for the masses. But uh, I find a lot of pop music has really good melodies. It just has it's poorly executed lyrically and um, musically in the orchestration. But I mean, that's that's absolutely fair. I feel like modern pop music. There, there are gems, but a lot of pop music tends to be just that for the masses. So, so yeah. I totally get that. Right, right. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm no stranger to liking things from the masses. I, uh, <laughs> I, I like Coke. I like the Beatles. I'm, I, I like the Simpsons. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, as I mentioned before, I'm like a big Batman aficionado. So, I mean, Batman is kind of that thing that's. So, I mean, it was it was always cool to like, I guess. He's been around forever in all sorts of media, but I feel like now especially it's like everybody likes Batman because he's yeah. so gritty and real, even though his old comic books he wore, you know, blue spandex and was not gritty and real at all, but well, neither here nor yeah, there. I think maybe people like him because I, I don't – I guess that's what I would guess is why people like him now is because he's kind of – he's cool. He's badass. Yeah. Uh, but what I like about Batman is just that, that he ha- can morph into so many different variations I, uh, so then I'd be forced to ask by law as a fellow nerd, what did you think of the Batman vs. Superman movie that was in theaters recently? I thought the movie on a whole was a travesty against the world, <laughs> but I thought Affleck did quite a good job as Batman. I would agree. I also happen to like Jesse Eisenberg as Luther because he was a different kind of Luther. <laughs> like he felt more modern. Like Lex Luthor, of course, 
has been portrayed many different ways, but I feel like he was portrayed to be kind of like a Facebook kind of media mogul guy, like the son of a son of a big corporate guy who's kind of like the millennial millionaire. And I don't know. I liked the level of crazy. I think that the dialogue was terrible, so he could only work with what he had. Like, same for Ben Affleck. Like, mm-hmm. that whole scene where Superman survives because he says her mom's name, spoiler alert. Like, I, I was like, what is this scene? What am I watching? What is happening? Like, why is this happening? Yeah, it's, uh, that, that is the biggest travesty in a, a heap of travesties that film has. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton's mother's names are both Dorothy? I did not know that. So Zack Snyder's probably going like, why are they even having an election? They should run together. They should be best friends. They should be friends now. Um, Dorothy. (laughs) Moving off of that movie, because I don't want to talk about it anymore, um, mostly because it's terrible, is um, I want to talk about probably something you're very excited about, because I know I am, when it comes to Batman. They're finally making an animated version of The Killing Joke, and both Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are reprising their roles. Yes, Have you yes, seen this? Absolutely. It's, uh, we released a, a music video for Claw Machine called Chasing Bats, which is about The Killing Joke. Oh, nice. So, uh, and and the, the song itself is from our debut album from 2013, but the video is new. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Alan Moore Killing Joke fan, and I... I think it's safe to say I've never been more excited for a film in my life. Because uh, aside from liking the comic, uh, the Batman animated series of the 90s is one of the most nostalgic things in my life. I, watch, oh, sure. I still watch it every week. It's one of my favorite things. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> in fact, uh, uh, I just recently – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show some of my hipster colors here. I <laughs> recently just got into vinyl. I know I'm like three three years late on the whole vinyl thing, but – well, technically, you could consider yourself like more than several decades. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As talking. far as vi- <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. when when vinyl actually was out. As far as the advent of its reoccurrence, I'm like three years late. But uh, I, I uh, speaking of Batman and vinyl, I just now purchased a eight LP set of the complete works of Batman the animated series scores by. Uh, I think her name's uh, Shirley Walker. She was the person who did the music on that show. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm all stocked up on Batman vinyl and animated series stuff. Also, I've been listening to Danny Elfman all week. Nice. I uh, big Oingo Boingo fan now. Oh, nice. It's uh, it's, it's it's good stuff. So yeah, so the whole point of that whole tirade into vinyl is that I love the Batman animated series, I love the Killing Joke, and both of those things are congealing together this summer into an adaptation. It's like Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, and Bruce Timm, they're all coming back, the band's getting back together to do the big one, and we all should drop everything we're doing and watch, watch it a million times. I absolutely agree. Um, moving from Batman to talk about uh, going back to Smashy Claw a bit, would you say that some of the stuff that you like in pop culture defines the, the things you create? I mean, obviously, with this direct correlation to Batman and writing a Batman song and the, and the uh, Tom Holland song, but do you find that you get a lot of fuel from the things that you're passionate about outside of music? I, I think I would say so. It's, uh, you know, the, the more things that I, the more media and uh, just ideas I take into my head, it, I'm sure... For anybody, they'd be lying if they they said that that just all the experience they take in, whether it be fictional or or, or real, 
didn't influence the kind of things they write about in their songs because it's it gives you a, a broader spectrum of what can be written about the kind of situations you can put your characters in. So yeah, I uh, like for instance this most recent Fom. I wrote a lot of sci-fi songs using sci-fi tropes. So I, I wrote uh, perspect from the perspective of the last man on Earth in a song called Last Man on Earth. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a song about uh, kind of the the whole idea of the fly where the the two pods uh, teleport things, and then I uh, the, the, and the thing about writing from those perspectives is that I always try to put my own my, my own take on it. Like for the Batman song, it's not just a song recounting what the plot of a Batman movie or comic is. It's from the perspective of the Joker before he was the Joker, inside the mind of the current Joker, being uh, just appalled by the things that his current self is doing. So that kind of new perspective, uh, like kind of a fan fiction on what already exists, because I, I don't want to just parrot back uh, the the text of an existing thing. I want to kind of create my own thing within that universe. Right. Sure. Of course. But that's a cool thing to do, I think, uh, especially with that universe, which is so rich. But I, I so taking inspiration from that makes total sense. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um, I, I actually, actually, what, what I'm really interested to know about Smashley Claw also is kind of so what, where you see the band going and if touring is in your future. I mean, the the video a week thing, I think, is a brilliant idea. And, and YouTube is kind of where music lives now. But you guys have plans to kind of do live shows and go on tour. We would love to go on tour. I've had this. It's kind of been like a fantasy of mine to go on tour, though. I, I hear it's kind of rough once you actually get into it, but. It's certainly a thing I'd like to try. We we don't necessarily necessarily have the national fan base to warrant a tour currently, but we've done we've done shows. Uh, having said that, across the country, we did a show in Chicago last year and in Florida, and so we we've, we've we've been around, uh, and we'd l- love to do kind of like an actual dedicated tour. Uh, but for now, we're mostly doing shows uh, locally. We're from uh, Colorado. In fact, next week on Friday the 13th of May, we're doing a whole nerd rock themed show with a bunch of local nerd rock type people. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. What what bands will you be playing with? Well, there's uh, th- we actually I got to actually put together the the group of people who'll be playing on this show. And I just, oh, excellent! I uh, just assembled uh, some of my favorite uh, like-minded acts. It's it's hard to find people who are like-minded to what Smashy Claw does. So it, it's uh it's 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 fun to have all of them together on one night, one concentration of of nerd rock. So the the bands the, there's a band called Bolonium, which just put out their uh, first album last year, and this will be their first live show, and they're kind of like Devo Reborn. Oh, cool. And then there's the Inactivists, who are this crazy experimental band that their songs are like five minutes long, and they're super quirky, and they've got a dedicated theremin player. I mean, what else do you need to know? I mean, it doesn't get nerdier than that, does it? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that Jonathan Colton did for his newest record, Artificial Heart, um, was when he put his ver- a, a new, an updated version of Still Alive. He had a theremin intro, and right, I was like, yeah, yeah. 
That's brilliant. Um, I thought that was really cool. Uh, anywhere you can put a theremin, I think, is a great idea, personally. I, it might be a little biased, but I think theremins are always amazing. We've, we've uh, tried to include theremin quite a bit. There's quite a bit of songs of ours that have theremin in them. Um, so do you, do, you know how to, do you own and know how to play a theremin? <laughs> I, I do not. I, it's a tricky instrument that I don't even... It looks like every time I see uh, Victoria from the Inactivist play it, it seems like witchcraft to me. Like your fingers aren't touching the instrument. How does it? How does it make noise? Kill it. Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, kill it with fire. I don't get it. Um, are, do you? So, do you have plans to learn to play any other instruments besides what you currently play? Uh, I, I, I guess I don't have plans to, but I, it would definitely be. It would behoove me to do so. Gotcha. I mean, it would with this whole. Uh, the, the whole scheme of being eclectic, like I want to be, it would it'd be better to better to know a bunch of different instruments because live stuff always sounds better than the the VSTs that I have on Pro Tools. Sure. But for now, that seems to suffice. VSTs they they get better, they get better and better each year. So it's they, someday they the, the instrument. Someday the instruments will be playing us. <laughs> That's right. Uh, when our robot overlords take over. Um, the, the sentient theremins won't be touching us, but we'll make noise. <laughs> That's a tagline for something, if I've, never, <laughs> if I've ever heard one. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask was actually, when, when approaching a topic for a song, because I imagine a lot of the times you'll create the universe or at least the subject of the song before writing it. Um, have you ever created a subject or picked a pop culture item that you wanted to write about and then got completely stumped? when trying to actually make it happen and had to kind of shelve it? Um, actually, yes. There, uh, I think only one instance I can think of, because I, I don't try to write of about a specific pop culture universe that exists that often, because mm -hmm. it's so rare to come up with something I think is, like that Joker idea I feel is pretty strong, but I, I, it's hard to come up with something that solid on an existing property. And because of that, that's why this I, I tried to write a song for Breaking Bad, which uh, <laughs> I'm just... I'm just revealing more and more that I, uh, I, I, I before was like, I don't, I don't really like pop music. It's for the masses, the stupid masses. All the while, I like, I like Coke and Beatles and Batman and Breaking Bad. Which everyone else likes. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just a sheep like everyone else, I guess. But yeah, Breaking Bad. Love Breaking Bad. It's the best show. It's the best show besides Batman the Animated Series. I'm sure I'll be getting a Breaking Bad vinyl next week. <laughs> yeah, I tried to write a Breaking Bad uh song where it, it was from the perspective of uh, one character after the series ended it ended it did so uh that was not a very successful sentence i, I apologize no. but <laughs> so, i forgive you okay yes i tried to write that but i i have so much reverence for the show that i kept felt feeling like it it didn't live up to my idea of what the show uh show is so i just kind of scrapped it and there's still like a, the melody still exists uh, so I'll, I'll maybe come back to it someday, but yeah, it's, uh, it was a hard one. Um, I've seen other artists do like how many songs you can write in the day or how many songs you can write in a week kind of a thing. Have you ever considered pushing yourself to that limit since you guys are already doing a song a week, which I, I admit is sounds like a lot already, but would you kind of be interested in doing any kind of heavy stress test on writing even more songs in a shorter period of time? Well, I, f I feel like the FOM... 14 or uh, 14 songs in 28 days is kind of the equivalent of yeah. that. It's uh, yeah. every year. That's kind of my main songwriting output. 
So I, I, I don't know if I'd really want to, because I'm kind of burned after February, and I don't usually <laughs> write too much after that. But it, I, I, I use most everything I write in February. It's, it's been actually kind of amazing the amount of output that I've been able to, to keep. Like uh, I would think that like the majority of it would be unusable because you're writing so much at at one time. But uh, most of the albums contain mostly FOM stuff, and uh, I'm I'm really proud of that stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's just it's a, it's an odd batting average that I seem to be able to maintain. I, I, I guess I work well under pressure or something. I guess so. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask about was actually. Um how you guys get your music out there. Like obviously you have this podcast and you're on Spotify and of course the usual places, but are you big social media pushers? Do you rely on like social media or the, or the internet to kind of get your stuff out there? Um, I know YouTube obviously is a big way because of, um, you know, the video a week, but do you have any other channels that you push pretty hard to get your stuff out through? I, I don't think there's really anything that gives as much of a response as YouTube. Like we've teamed with most of these videos with the Albino Black Sheep channel, which was kind of a big channel 10 years ago. And we're kind of reaping the benefits of their audience that still remains after they've kind of faded a little bit from, from the, the spotlight. But, uh, mm-hmm. so the YouTube is mostly where we get, uh, the, the, the views and, and such from, but we, you know, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter page and a Tumblr page like everybody else. So I guess, Sure. We utilize those as much as we can, yeah. Well, also, I, as I recall, you're a member of the FUMP as right, well, yeah. which our listeners are familiar with. Um, I am a, a fr- friends with, internet friends with Mr. Uh, Insane Ian, who uh, yeah. reached out to me after uh, discovering me on the Epic Piecast, which is another podcast hosted by Schaefer the Dark, Dark Lord yeah. and Nelson Lugo. And so um, would you say, I, would, I would assume that the FUMP is also a big help with that because there's a lot of artists on the FUMP, right? You have a lot of different artists on different compilations. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, there's a, so kind of similar to uh, how we're releasing a song every Tuesday. It's a song every Tuesday and Friday, but it's a whole collective of like a hundred artists that get to do that. And it's been going on for, it's gotta be close to a decade now. They've had like a thousand songs. It's, it's uh it's an interesting website for sure. And they do the, the Fump Fest in Chicago every year, which is the show we played last year. And it was, it was cool seeing all these people from the internet that I had yet to meet in the flesh Mm-hmm. So I got to, I got to meet some of my my friends like like Ian Ian's a, a good friend of mine. Cool, yeah. I, I think he's a good dude. And like, what I love about people who do indie music, regardless of whether it's comedy or it's not, or what style of music, like what I like about indie musicians is there's this kind of camaraderie and support system that's kind of always constant in the in that environment. Yeah, the the thump is. Uh, just a, a, a huge collective of specifically comedy musicians, but it's got that indie vibe of people who are just, they're in it for the music. They're not making much money off the funk. So it's, it's all about the passion for that, that type of music. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what I like about nerds specifically too, I mean, not to stereotype, I suppose, cause that makes me the problem. <laughs> but, um, but as a nerd myself, like what I like about a nerdy community also is when you're that passionate about a thing, cause to me, that's what being a nerd is yeah. being really passionate about a thing, whether it's sports or D and D or music. That's certainly the modern n- definition of nerd. Sure. And so a bit. I, I think that that, that allows for a kinder community because you're, 
passionate and sensitive about what you like. So you would most of the time want other people to be the same way about yours. And it creates a support system. Of course, there are still idiots in that community, too. Um, but but for the most part, I found that most nerdy communities are pretty welcoming and pretty supportive. Yeah, it's uh, it's all about niche markets. Yeah, you no, know, it's it's not uh, especially with what we're doing. We're kind of a very specific type of band. So it's it's finding people who uh, fit into that niche that we're doing, that kind of quirky alt rock feeling, and uh, the Fump is uh, mostly based around lyrics. They're just kind of really into the comedy lyrics, and the the music is I don't want to say secondary, but it's uh, it's certainly a little a little beyond the the lyrics. The lyrics are more important to those guys for sure, and uh, that that's cool for their their website. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> That's quite all right. I'll cut you off and ask you another question to to, to help steer us. So okay. don't worry. Me to the rescue. Um, yes. <laughs> it's my job. I wouldn't be a good host if I didn't. Yes. Um, I guess what I want to ask next as we're kind of starting to wrap up a bit is uh, if you could give advice to aspiring musicians, writers, artists, what would that advice be? Something that maybe you didn't know when you were starting that you could give to help someone else? Well, I... For one, wish that I knew that chords had two more than two notes in them. Notes <laughs> yeah, sure. So maybe maybe learn that earlier than I did. And uh, if you're going to be a songwriter, try to write as much as possible uh, and listen to as much as possible, so you know what you can write from. That's I think that's the exact advice that George R. R. Martin gives for writing books. So just apply it to music. Listen to as much as you can and write as much as you can and. The, those uh, those shitty recordings you're making now will eventually be good. I mean, if that's not an impassioned um, battle cry for success, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, and then where can where can everyone find you guys on the internet? Um, uh, I imagine SmashyClaw.com is one of those places. Yes, for the hub of all things SmashyClaw is SmashyClaw.com. And the videos specifically are coming out on youtube.com slash smashyclaw every Tuesday for the yes, rest of the year. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, do you guys – so after – are you going to do this every year or is this just for this year? Well, the original idea was to do it every year, but it, it, it just seems like <laughs> we'd just be bashing our heads against the wall and uh, there'd just be brains everywhere. So who wants that? So our new plan is to do this year kind of to have the the cap feather that is having released a song every week for a year. It's, it seems like an accomplishment that these videos will be around forever. Yeah. And people can come across and see that we did actually accomplish that, if we in fact do. Uh, that'll be like, oh, wow, these guys actually did this shit. Crazy <laughs> motherfuckers. So, uh, <laughs> so that'll be that. And then from every year afterwards, we want to, since we're so prolific... We want to release an album every year after this, but, and we want to release it in the same sort of weekly way. So it, it won't be every week for the whole year in 2017, but hopefully we'll have an album cycle. So, oh, like where you'll be releasing a song of the album every week until, until the, the album, album is, re yeah. is released. Oh, that's cool. That's sort of similar to what Woodell did with his music videos for Mandator Mandatory Fun, where he didn't have a music video for everything. Oh, did he have a video for everything? I can't even remember. No, he, but he, had, a, he had eight he had videos. Oh, he had eight videos, but he released one, I think, every week, pretty much. Every and day. 
Oh, oh, right. It was the week of the album release, yeah. right? It was every day. That's right. And that, like, I don't know about anybody else, but me, I was super stoked about it as a Weird Al fan. And, like, it revved me up for the album. And also, every time I shared it on Crash Chords or anywhere else, people went nuts for it and shared it everywhere. So I think that there, there is definitely an argument to make for that kind of viral marketing and that kind of rapid release to kind of frenzy those who are already into your stuff to be super excited about getting something you know, it's like Christmas every day or every week until it's over and then you're sad. I predict we won't quite be as successful as Weird Al was <laughs> at his endeavor. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a fair and accurate yeah, um, yeah. assessment because um, few people are as successful as Weird Al. So I yeah, feel like yeah. that's okay. I feel like even if you're a quarter of as successful as Weird Al was, you'd be in a good place. I cannot guarantee even that level of success. But <laughs> yeah, that was a good that was a good uh, week to be a Weird Al fan. It's like the for a brief shining moment, the rest of the world seemed to come come to to the their senses and be like this guy we shouldn't look down upon him for writing funny songs he's amazing yeah and then he got and he got the number one album and that that was pretty cool too well yeah and he said i think officially that that's his last full-length album he's going to be releasing songs yeah you know at one at a time which i guess would also make him more timely instead of releasing like having to rush to get songs out within their popularity time period like he can just hear a new pop song and go oh that's worth parroting write it and then release it and that way it's kind of timely with the release of the actual song which would be pretty cool to see start happening yeah i it's it's a question whether albums at all are kind of necessary anymore because we've kind of gone back to the single format well, yeah. with the internet kind of just pushing singles and uh so, but if you're the reason I keep making albums at least is that I I like if you're making all original songs like we do uh, except for the Tom Holland song which is an anomaly I guess the we we try to make the albums kind of have a coherent through line yeah try to have kind of a concept going through the albums so I feel like that's the main reason to have albums nowadays but when you're uh doing what Weird Al does, it makes no sense in modern times to be releasing albums. What is, it's a perfect idea to be releasing singles. If you know, I, songs. I agree. Our other, the other podcast I do with two co-hosts is a, a weekly album review show. And like the albums we review, you know, usually there's some kind of arc or through line and we'll penalize an album a little bit if it doesn't. Cause uh-huh. you know, Typically, that's the point. You don't want to just make a compilation. That's what Greatest Tits are for. But when we reviewed an older Weird Al album that guests had brought on the show, that was our biggest problem is that it just didn't make sense. But for the time, like he had no other way to release it. Like albums are the way you release stuff. But, you know, looking at like we reviewed Running With Scissors, looking at Running With Scissors now, it's like, well, there's no through line here. It doesn't even make any sense for these songs to be together other than they're sort of of the time. And so... I think it makes perfect sense for Weird Al to go in that direction. Actually, I'm hoping that albums stick around a little longer because I have a whole show, other show based on reviewing albums. Yeah, so. I, uh, I, I've heard it. It is. I listened to the uh, the Glean. Oh, of the They Might uh, Be Giants Glean review, and I really, as a They Might Be Giants fan, I really appreciated you going so in depth and like talking about the. I like. I didn't even think about like the how the the chords go with the song necessarily or how yeah. they relate to each other. It, it was, it's in depth and amazing and it's, it's, it's great. I should, I, uh, I've been thinking I should go through your back catalog there to, I'm sure there are tons of bands you've covered that I've never even heard of. And I'm, I'm sure I would listen to a lot more stuff. Oh, well, I would love that. Thank you. I pre- It's always nice to know when people listen and enjoy it. It's a very specific format. So yeah. like, 
people like you, me, and other intense music nerds will be into it, but someone who just wants to hear like a light and breezy review <laughs> are going to tune out after the first hour when we go for two to two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but that's also why I have this show. I like having something a little more accessible where, oh, I like that thing, or I like <laughs> that thing that that guy's related to. Let me go hear him talk about it. So yeah, this that's is, kind of... This is a podcast for the casual fan. Your other podcast... It helps to have a degree in music theory like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a bit. I feel like, um, for sure, it at least ha- ha- helps to have a passion for music on another level other than I listen to music. That's kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, but, uh, but, but um, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to chat. And thank you for, for uh, complimenting us on the show. We do love doing it, and we're always happy when people listen. Feel free. If there's an album you'd like us to take on, throw us a suggestion. We'll happily give Smashy Claw a shout-out on that show and review the record you'd like us to take on. So For, feel free to former, send that our way. Former Spine by Smashy Claw. <laughs> <laughs> we don't review bands. Yeah, I, I, I get that, yeah. There's, there'd be no, no point. You'd be like, well, what, is, what, is this, what is this album by these people? Well, it's not. It's not even. It's not about that because I would happily review an album by someone I know or someone I have a connection to. Um, but but the concern is not necessarily of quality or whatever or bias. It's just you know I'd much rather promote your stuff than criticize it because ah. I like you and I like what you do. And so rather than analyze it, I'd rather promote it. Hence doing this show or you coming on and bringing another album if you're ever a guest on our show. Um, if it's someone like. You know, Maroon 5 or Queens of the Stone Age, like, I don't mind taking them down a peg because what we say <laughs> ultimately won't really hurt them. It might, you know, sway our listeners, but beyond that, you know, whereas Indie Acts, who, you know, every fan matters, like, I would hate to sway people from your stuff because all in all, I love what you guys do, regardless of whether it's like top tier pantheon of music, because that's an insane height to reach for, yeah, yeah. for, for most people. So, so yeah, but. Thank you, Austin, seriously, for taking the time to chat with me. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you um, being, a, being a listener and a fan, and, and, and also I am a fan of your stuff. So it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Yes, Matt, I appreciate you being a listener and a fan also. <laughs> well, that's good. We mutually appreciate each other, so that's important. Yeah. Um, but but uh, definitely please let me know if you're in your New York, and uh, we'd love to have you guys on the album review show as well. And uh, I would love to see you guys play live if you're ever in town. Absolutely, I'll I'll let you know. It'll the the summer 2025 tour. I'll be sure to put you on the guest list. Sweet, I'm there. Um, so thank you, Austin, for taking the time to chat, and I will talk to you soon. All right, you too, Matt. Thanks. All right, bye. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.